0: Ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, and I have to admit, it was a pretty grueling trade deadline in terms of the emotion, in terms of what is gonna happen, is this done? Is this the one? Who is going to get what? Where is the first round pick coming from? Is Dion Waiters really going to be a Memphis Grizzly? There's so many things to explore and emotions and thought processes. We're going to have fun, fun time with it on this 2020 trade deadline wrap-up edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Ways to get in touch with the podcast: you can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. I am the site manager of Grizzly Nation's Blues.com, covering the Memphis Grizzlies for SB Nation's team blog site family. Uh, you could follow the blog at SBN Grizzlies, and you could follow my co-host at paka underscore flaka. He's one of the great examples of awesome work being done over at grizzlybearblues.com during the trade deadline the three days leading up to it we had 15 posts over a three-day stretch and obviously i can't do that by myself it's it's because of uh parker and and the other great members of our staff that we covered the trade deadline so extensively over at gbb parker how are you doing sir
1: shoot after all that praise how can i not be doing good Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. You done. I meant a great every job. single word.
0: Every single word. Um, not not fabricated at all. You know, you're a remarkable. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no. You you guys did a great job, and you know, I'm I'm very fortunate, uh, to be at the helm and kind of be acknowledged as the the front, uh, I guess, of the blog. But there there's definitely so much that goes on beyond just me, and it's part. It's what really makes us, uh, in my opinion, the very best place to get Memphis Grizzlies coverage. Uh, nobody covers the entire organization quite the same way that we do. And and I appreciate whoever wherever you are, however you're checking out this podcast, thanks for making us a part of your Memphis Grizzlies experience. So, Parker, the dust has settled. You know, everybody finally can kind of take a breath post-Andre Iguodala the goodbye to Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. You know, you cover the team for us there in Memphis on the ground. So you've seen these guys multiple times. You've had a chance to make uh, relationships professionally to an extent uh, with them, even if it's just, you know, minimally, you know, listening intently as they answer a question or talking off the record once or twice. Um, you you have seen this team kind of grow and come together over the span of these 51 games that the Grizzlies have played. And now these last 31, they're going to look pretty different leading into the playoffs. Uh, literally three of their team, or four, excuse me, four members of that organization uh, of that on the court product for Memphis are no longer there. You know, Andre Iguodala was never really a part of it to begin with, but he was on the active raw or he was on the roster at least Uh Jay Crowder obviously being the largest piece of the rotation. Solomon Hill kind of rediscovered himself as an NBA player during his time in Memphis. So I think it's fair to say that he'll probably be missed. And then you've got Bruno Caboclo who, His departure in a trade with the Houston Rockets for, uh, for Jordan Bell has kind of gone under the radar because of all of these other moves that occurred, but I do think it's important to point out that you know Bruno has been a part of this organization for a while now, at least compared to other members of the roster. So what's your initial takeaway uh, from saying goodbye to Jay and so and Solo and Bruno? and Iguodala, who you didn't really say hello to to begin with, but then a hello to a Justice Winslow, who clearly was the, the centerpiece of the main activity between the Grizzlies and the Miami Heat. Uh, obviously, Deion Waiters, there's discussion of him being bought out. He may never wear uh, Beale Street blue. You have uh, James Johnson, who was eventually turned into Gorgie Jang with the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is a good backup center. You could argue maybe the, one of the best backup centers in the NBA. And then, of course, like we said, you have Jordan Bell, another big to, to fill out the Memphis roster. What is your uh, or what are your initial takeaways
1: from the events of the last day or so? Um, first, I I will start out by saying that um, both Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, I mean, as well as Bruno Boklo, are going to be missed in the locker room. Um, I did a big feature on the culture of the Memphis Grizzlies a month ago, and. I know Dylan Brooks and John Morant specifically said Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill have been huge in in instilling a good culture within the system. And I even got to talk to Jay Crowder at Media Day about the idea of he's been able to be mentors to guys like Jalen Brown, Jason... I don't know, he didn't have Jason Tatum, but Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, and now John Morant and Darren Jackson Jr. So I got to talk to him about that, which... He's awesome to talk to, so is Solomon Hill. Um, I wish the best for them. And honestly, Miami, coming into this year, they're my second favorite team. Um, and so I'm really hoping that they can go out, do good in the Miami culture, and win a ring. But need to say, for the Memphis Grizzlies, there's no loss here. Even if Justice Winslow isn't healthy, I mean, the upside of if he's realistically your third or fourth best player, and he's playing up to at least 80% of his potential, you're all of a sudden talking about something that could be very, very special. And then with Gorgie Dane, like you mentioned, he might be one of the best backup centers in basketball. I looked at the stats when he plays between 20 and 29 minutes, according to basketball reference. He averages 13.7 rebounds to assist in a little over a block a game. And he also shoots 38% from three on almost three attempts a game. So you have your insurance policy if an injury occurs, whether it's Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas or Brandon Clark, God forbid. And then I, I love Jordan Bell um, going into the 2017 draft. He was a guy that I really wanted the Grizzlies to buy into, uh, into the draft, and I wanted him to be the Ivan Rab pick. So, again, another great insurance policy big where something happens where you just need five, ten spot minutes, he can get you those. People forget, two years ago, he was the starting center for that championship Warriors team. So, all in all, climate and company did it again.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right about the idea of this team is extremely young. And they only got younger with this trade, if they are to waive Dion waiters, which is the the rumor at this point uh, that the buyout market uh, might be there for for waiters where it wasn't there for Andre Iguodala. It's a smaller contract to buy out um i I think that you're looking at a team that's under the age of twenty five in terms of average. I don't have the exact math in front of me, but they're gonna be extremely young, and i I'm fascinated by what's going to happen when the team needs that veteran pick me up because there's still veterans on the team you know Jonas Valančiūnas I believe is in his 8th NBA season uh you have Kyle Anderson who's in his 5th I think NBA season or maybe even 6th uh Tyus Jones I is in his 4th or 5th NBA season he's only 23 years old but he's a veteran by NBA standards in terms of years logged in the association. So there's still a veteran presence on this team. And I do believe, and I know you and I have disagreed with this uh, at times, Parker, I think the significance of Jay Crowder in particular has been overblown a bit. And I don't mean that disrespectfully because I do think that there's value in the leadership characteristics that he displayed. He willingly showed that he wanted to be in Memphis for this rebuild before it became clear that they were going to be good. And I think that's something that sometimes we leave out when we talk about this topic. It's not like Jay Crowder conveniently said he wanted to be in Memphis when the Grizzlies got hot in December and January, especially January. Uh, It's not like he said, Oh, I want to be here now. He wanted to be here from the jump. And I think that's to his credit, his character, the way that he carries himself. He does deserve some of the, of the love, so to speak, for Memphis being where it is in terms of being ahead of schedule in this rebuild. However, to make a basketball argument for Jay Crowder, at least at this point this season to me, is absurd. And that's exactly what Kevin Pelton did in his ESPN grades for the trade. Uh, He gave Miami an A uh, because they got more immediate help um, in his eyes. And he gave the Grizzlies a D. And one of the reasons why was he said that they got worse because they lost Jay Crowder. And I mean, the Grizzlies are undefeated when Jay Crowder doesn't play in a game this season. Kyle Anderson at this stage is a superior basketball player. I would argue that, I mean, definitely true if Justice Winslow is healthy, which may not be until you know a month or two from now. But when Justice Winslow is healthy, he's better than Jay Crowder. Josh Jackson at times could be better than Jay Crowder. So I think that the idea of Jay Crowder is better than what he actually was for Memphis, at least on the court. And Solomon Hill, we have to remember, he has done so well just to prove that he's an actual NBA player again. Like when he came to Memphis, it was either him or Miles Plumlee that was going to get waived. So he earned a spot on an NBA roster and he's proven that he probably should be a minimum veteran type of guy on a contender this coming summer, and that'd be good value for somebody trying to win a championship. Hill would be a good 11th or 12th man on any NBA team probably for the right price. But to me, when you look at this deal and you see what the Grizzlies did, taking on more money going into this summer, not being as dominant in a free agent class that most folks don't think is very good to begin with, uh, the highlighter or the highlights, like an Anthony Davis, pretty clearly going back to the Lakers, you know Evan Fournier is one of the top five or ten players in this draft or in this free agency class. Are you really going to throw twenty two or twenty three million dollars at evan fournier that doesn 't feel like a good use of your funds, so they decided to eat some cap space, take on a young, risky player in Justice Winslow. The risk is because of his health I think that 's important to point out and drive home. When Justice Winslow has been healthy, he's been extremely productive. He's done some pretty impressive things as a point-forward type, and he physically, skill set-wise, is a perfect fit with the Memphis Grizzlies. It's a home run if he's able to stay on the court, but I do think at this stage it's fair to question whether or not he's going to be able to do that. The good news is they don't need to find that out anytime soon. If, if Justice Winslow didn't play a second This season, I wouldn't necessarily be concerned as long as he's healthy in the long term. This deal was about not two months from now when the Grizzlies could be playing the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. This was about two years from now. Having a player like Justice Winslow on a good team contract, if they opt into the final year of his deal, looking to when the Grizzlies hope to be good again, and having a player the caliber of Justice Winslow alongside your stars, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. And if that is your measuring stick, while not hurting yourself for long-term financial viability, then you have to consider this a pretty big success. So I, I think this is a good trade, a very good trade for Memphis. I don't think anybody lost. I think Miami got exactly what they wanted, and the Grizzlies have as well. But I also think that we have to keep the perspective that instead of a draft pick, which obviously would have made this better, uh, the Grizzlies are taking a different type of calculated risk in a player that, when healthy, is probably the third or fourth best player on this team, which would be massive and better than anybody that the Grizzlies just sent out. But it's questionable whether or not you'll see that guy, especially in these next couple of months.
1: Right. I I agree, but... I think one thing where I kind of disagree is just the fact that there is a risk. Yes, he could not be healthy, and that would kind of not make this trade look as good. But at the end of the day, they have a team option on him going into summer 2021. If it doesn't work, they can just decline the option. And also, too, it's not like he's your number two young guy they already have jaron jackson jr john Morant, brandon clark dylan brooks and to a lighter extent guys like De'Anthony melton and josh jackson and then also on top of that and on top of taking on the extra money they're still gonna have cap space in 2021 and it's gonna be pretty significant with a better free agency class On top of that, they'll actually have their pick in the twenty twenty one draft, and that draft's supposed to be better than this one coming up. So it's not like their future rides on Justice Winslow being good. If anything, anything Justice Winslow adds is a luxury. And if he is this five positional player that can play be a secondary or primary playmaker, be a good slasher, could be a good transition player and can be, you know, the guy that people compared to Andre Iguodala when he came out of the 2015 draft, then we're talking about some serious noise being made in Memphis.
0: Listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live, our uh, our review of the trade deadline show. My name is Joe Mullinex. I'm the co-host of this program. I'm also the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Parker Fleming. We'll be wrapping up this first segment here in a little bit and bringing in our guest to break down all the craziness of the trade deadline, both for Memphis and in general. I can't believe that the Detroit Pistons just dumped, salary dumped, it felt like, uh, Andre Drummond. I'm going to get Dan Favali's take on that uh, from NBA Math. He's going to be a great guest on the show uh wait, uh, Kay, I'm, can
1: I can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. If you knew that it took Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill in a second round pick to get Andre Drummond, would you have done it? I I don't know. Uh for because this, this is team the same one. It's that like the same deal. For this
0: team, I don't think so. I I I'm not in that in no way, shape, or form, I think it's ridiculous that on that Drummond is worth more than that. Okay. Uh, So I think it's crazy that that happened. Andre Drummond is in the prime of his career, is an excellent rebounder, an excellent scorer. But for the Grizzlies as they are, uh, I think that to have Drummond and Valanchunas feels a bit redundant. Uh, I think they're both pretty much the same player at this point in terms of what they can do. Uh, Drummond might be a little bit better defender. Valanchunas might be a little bit more polished on the perimeter offensively. Uh, You're probably splitting hairs there. To, to me, they're both kind of the same guy. I I can't believe they just dumped him. That that surprised me a lot. Uh, that they did not get the return that I thought they would. Uh, if Valanchunas was not with the Grizzlies, I would do that type of deal, absolutely. But like I said, I think Jonas uh, brings it brings it home for the Grizzlies these next couple of years at that center position. I'll I'll get out of this segment on this Parker. I'm curious as you look at the landscape now. Obviously, the Clippers. You could argue get better, I guess. I mean, they, they kind of forsake Jamichael Green again and they go and they get Marcus Morris from the Knicks and they have a chance to uh, improve their depth via trade there. Obviously, the main star, I guess you could argue, uh, being traded was D'Angelo Russell going to the Minnesota Timberwolves alongside his best friend for life now, Carl Anthony Towns. Andrew Wiggins sent out to the Golden State Warriors, which is kind of surprising that the Warriors think they can save or salvage something from Andrew Wiggins. The NBA obviously looks different today than it did 24 or 48 hours ago. Do you still see Memphis in that hunt for the 8th seed? I was asked this on the radio uh, on Thursday afternoon. Is Memphis the favorite for the 8th seed? I haven't looked at statistical projections. I know that they loved, uh, the last time I checked, the Pelicans. I know that the Grizzlies are three games up on teams like the Spurs and the Trailblazers right now, but that stuff is fluid. And obviously all it takes is, you know, I think the Grizzlies have a stretch coming up where they play the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Rockets three nights in a row or three games in five nights or something like that. You know, all it takes is them going 0-3 over a span of one week for them to lose that positioning, and I think that's possible. So, do you still see the Grizzlies as a legitimate threat for that eight seed? Obviously, they're sitting there right now. But do you think that's something that's sustainable with thirty-one or so games remaining uh, for Memphis?
1: Um, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, I'll, can I say like a say with like a, a yes with a fifty-five percent confidence interval?
0: It's our show. I think you can say that.
1: Okay, so. For one, I want people to stop saying the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't care how easy their schedule is. They are 11 games below five hundred. I don't see that happening. Um, The only team I really see catching Memphis is Portland just because Damian Lillard is a top-10 NBA player, and he's gone nuclear over the past month. And then they're also supposed to get Yusuf Nurkic and possibly Zach Collins back. So that's the only team I can buy myself on. But if you think of it in the grand scheme of things, the Grizzlies did get better after this trade deadline. For one, like you pointed out early, earlier in the show, they're 6-0 without Jay Crowder. And then you're also taking those Crowder and Solomon Hill minutes, and that's probably close to 40 minutes. And you're sprinkling in a little more for uh, for Kyle Anderson. You're going to have some Justice Winslow minutes. But also, too, you're feeding in some back up five minutes for Gorgi Dank. And as we've seen, um, Taylor Jenkins likes running an 11-man rotation. So that also includes the minutes that might have gone to uh, Marco Guterich. Those are going to Josh Jackson. And, I mean, I just think that this trade makes the Grizzlies a better team. They have a three-game advantage. If anybody catches the Grizzlies, it's going to be the Portland Trailblazers.
0: Obviously, the the goal remains long-term long-term focus and this trade screams that to me you know you could easily argue that the Grizzlies are worse right now I don't know that I would agree with that but I think it's an easy argument to make you know Justice Winslow is not going to play for Memphis for at least a week or two you'd imagine at the earliest Uh, it's probably going to be longer than that Memphis has shown willingness to be cautious with injury I'm fairly sure that they're going to be patient and step back and let Winslow gets seen by their doctors and medical staff and 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 get their own vibe on how long it's going to take for that to properly heal. The good news is for Grizzlies fans, there's precedent already with this staff and with this organization run by Jason Wexler and Zach Kleiman that they can do that successfully. You know, De'Anthony Melton had a back injury and, and they were patient with Melton and obviously Melton is perfectly fine. So uh, I don't think the back injury is as concerning for me at least as maybe it is for others. Uh, but Gorgie Dang is essentially the one guy that's going to come in and get those minutes, like you said. Uh, maybe take a couple the minutes that Solomon Hill was already getting. Obviously, Kyle Anderson will get those Jay Crowder minutes. Same thing with uh, with Josh Jackson. The interesting thing will be when Justice Winslow does come back, what it looks like because Deion Waiters doesn't figure to be in the long-term plans for the Grizzlies. So watching Taylor Jenkins kind of navigate now that two of his security blankets, especially Jay Crowder, you could easily argue that Jay Crowder – was a major security blanket uh, in terms of rotations, in terms of, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to put in my veterans. I'm going to put in Solo. I'm going to put in Jay. Uh, That's not there anymore. So how is he going to respond and rediscover some sort of of pattern of, of normalcy when it comes to their playing time, like you said, within that 11-man rotation. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dan Favalli. He does a remarkable job for NBA math. He's a deputy editor over there. Haven't had him on the show before. We're excited to talk to him about the trade deadline, both from the Grizzlies' perspective as well as the entire NBA, where that leads us into the playoff push for all the teams involved. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live, the 2020 post-trade deadline edition of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Parker Fleming is still with me here on the show and joining us at this time. We're excited to have him on the podcast. I'm pretty sure this is his first time ever joining us on the show. He's a wonderful follow on Twitter, if you don't already do so, at D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E. That, of course, spells Dan Favalli. He's the deputy editor over at NBA Math. He's an NBA writer for Bleacher Report. He's a co-host for the Hardwood Knox podcast. He works on Blue Wire Pods. Uh, he does a ton of different things, wears a ton of different hats. How millennial of him here in 2020. Dan Favalli, how are you doing, sir?
2: I am doing well. Just recovering from a very active deadline. How are you doing?
0: I can only imagine. Now, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, and I promise we'll come back to the Grizzlies. Uh, but we we talked about in the previously parker and i about the detroit cleveland trade and how crazy it is that andre drummond got traded for what he got traded for i understand that he's kind of a dinosaur in terms of the modern game compared to what drummond is in terms of his ideal skill sets and situations but that was crazy right like i'm not making that up that was a pretty remarkable lack of value i mean cleveland dominated that trade right
2: I I guess you can say they dominated it. I don't know what his fit is like there when you still have Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, and Larry Nance. Uh They only had to give up essentially cap space and a distant second-round pick um, that potentially won't be good. So the, the value there is low, but it makes you wonder how scared the Pistons were about paying Andre Drummond. Should he opt in to the final year of his contract next season? Because that would be the only reason why I think – you move him now is to get that extra wiggle room under the tax this season. You get a second-round pick, but it's so far off into the distance, you can't project what it would be, and you don't have to worry about paying him, not not just in free agency, but if he picks up his player option. And so it's amazing that they went from we won't give the, him to the Hawks without getting a first-round pick in return to we're just going to flip him um, to Cleveland for basically spare parts.
0: I thought that was crazy. Uh, I and you're exactly right uh, in terms of the fear of having to pay him. I guess, but it's just amazing how how different the NBA has become. You know, Andre Drummond back in the days of of Patrick Ewing and Elajuan and guys like that. You know, he would have been considered a lot more valuable than what he got traded for. But we obviously live and work in a different era. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies were fairly active, made multiple moves uh, involving or two trades in particular, one, a three team trade with Minnesota and the Miami heat. And then the other trade with the Houston Rockets gone are Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill, and Jay Crowder to Miami. And obviously, uh, Jay, uh, excuse me. You also have Bruno Caboclo going to Houston. So those four guys are out. The four guys that are in Are Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, technically uh, Chris Haynes is reporting that they'll probably buy him out or it's likely that they'll buy him out. Uh, Gorgie Jiang of the Minnesota Timberwolves and you and Jordan Bell coming from Houston uh, in that Bruno Cabaclo trade. We talked about whether or not we think Memphis is better in the short term because of this deal. I'm curious as to your take on that, because so many folks are going to look at this and say, Justin Winslow is injured. He's not going to help your playoffs push right away, at least. He's at least a couple of weeks away, probably longer from actually giving you meaningful contributing minutes right now. Uh, Gorgie Deng is going to be a backup center in Memphis, the fourth big uh, behind Valentunas, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark. Deion Waiters, you're going to pay to not play basketball for you. Jordan Bell is, I guess, he's the fifth big. So did did Memphis get worse in the short term, in your opinion, or better uh, after the dealings of the last 24 or 36 hours?
2: If you can guarantee me that Justice Winslow is going to play and play at a fairly high level when he gets back, I, I think you can make the case that they got better Uh, The big thing on paper when you look at it, people are going to see Jay Crowder going out. I I think as you get later in the season, maybe there are things that he could have done for you, but he's probably one of the most overrated players in the NBA at this point. uh, He's considered a floor spacer, but he hasn't shot the ball well from three in about three seasons, and he's under 30% from beyond the arc this year. uh, You have to survive these just inexplicable off-the-dribble heat checks, and that can really gum up your offense sometimes he has he is he does seem strong enough to defend bigger players defensively but i also don't think he's that reliable on that side of the ball uh anyway so if you get rid of him i don't necessarily want to call him addition by subtraction though you who watches the grizzlies more can feel free to go that far but i don't think the loss of him is going to end up being as huge as it might look to other people on paper who really are still riding his reputation from from when he was in boston um, that I don't think it's going to be that big of a loss. And so there's a chance they're worse just because mid-season shakeups can have that effect on a team. And if Justice Winslow isn't going to play this season or if he's not going to play well, we'll have to see how he recovers from injury. But if you can tell me that Justice Winslow is, is going to be healthy, there is a fair chance that at some point, even if not right away, that the Grizzlies aren't just more intriguing in the long-term, but, the, but they're more intriguing in the short-term as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. And I'm also curious – uh, Jay Crowder's value was in terms of his leadership, and I think in in fairness to the people that follow the team, that cover the team, that argued in favor of keeping Jay Crowder, that was always their emphasis, their focal point. Um, The idea that he provided a veteran presence to these Grizzlies, I, as a counterpoint, always bring up the idea of Jonas Valanciunas being in his eighth NBA season. Tyus Jones is a young veteran at 23 years old. He's only a little bit older than Brandon Clark, I think. Or he might even be the opposite. Brandon Clark might be older than Tyus Jones. Either way, they're both 23. Um, so it, it's it's picking hairs a little bit. But I, I, I'm curious. You look at a roster that has younger veterans, you know, those two, Kyle Anderson. But they're still veterans. They're still guys that have played multiple NBA seasons. You lose Crowder. You lose uh, solo Iguadala obviously is an NBA veteran but he wasn't a part of the picture with the Grizzlies uh, how much do you think for a young team like Memphis one of the youngest in the NBA especially now with those veteran guys being gone do you think there's going to be much of a long-term uh, transition period do you think it won't impact them that much what do you see starting even with Friday night against the Philadelphia 76ers Obviously, the rotation will be different. There will be some minutes divided up a little bit differently. You got to work Gorgie Dang into the rotation as perhaps as early as Philadelphia, but maybe Sunday is the first time he makes a Grizzlies appearance, which would be cool for me because I'll be covering that game in D.C. uh, for the blog. Um, But how do you kind of foresee that impacting them in the short term? Or do you think that's kind of overrated?
2: I don't think it's overrated. It's just probably tough to gauge which way it will go. I do think that they're at least a little bit inoculated against that sort of emotional behind-the-scenes drop-off. You mentioned that they do have some younger veterans. Uh, also, Gorgie Jang is a high-character guy, and so if they're going to put him in the rotation. Um, even if Even if he's not playing that much, he seems like someone that, Will be good to have around, and we saw that in Minnesota a little bit. Never really bristling when his spot in the rotation, um, especially last season, was fairly inconsistent. So I think that helps out a lot. Uh, Jay Crowder was certainly an emotional bellwether, and that that is, as you pointed out, one of the things he brings. But it does also seem like someone in John Morant is uh, light years ahead uh, for a young player in in terms of the leadership and and just the the on court pizzazz that he brings. It's you know even if he's not going to be necessarily the most vocal guy on the night-to-night basis. The things that he can do with the ball in his hands, the way that he can set up his teammates, um, there, there's an element of leading by by example, leading by function there, and I think that will help this team too. So there is always a little bit of a danger if you're going to trade someone who is really well-liked in the locker room, but this team from top to bottom, even when you look at what Dylan Brooks um, was saying in, in the face of the, the Andre Iguodala stuff, it does seem like this team has enough strong personalities to weather Crowder's absence behind the scenes
1: right and so the big thing right now for most Grizzlies fans and local media is this playoff push and with losing guys like Jay Crowder Solomon Hill got the veteran guys that quote-unquote built this culture do you think it hurts their playoff chances and if so do you think these moves improve their playoff odds I don't necessarily
2: think they improve them just because I don't know what to expect from Justice Winslow, both in terms of his availability and once he's actually on the court. He struggled a lot offensively um, in Miami, and that could happen again once again to to Memphis. He's probably a defensive upgrade, though, over both Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder, so that could potentially help you out. Where they might lose some ground is just the fact that, one, they're not even supposed to be here, and so is there going to be an element of that? That wall, hitting a wall at some point in the season as we get down to maybe a quarter of the schedule left. Uh, the other thing to look at is particularly a team like the Spurs or, or maybe even the Blazers who only made a couple small moves when you look at uh, the Baysmore trade and then trading Scala DC at the trade deadline. Just their core has been intact for longer. Maybe it takes them all to integrate Yusuf Nurkic and, and or Zach Collins once they get back. Uh, but the fact that their nucleus has been together for so long for the most part helps them. And then you look at a team like the Spurs where they're not undergoing a change where you see two of their most played players being sent out in a trade and then having to integrate a new piece in Justice Winslow that could benefit San Antonio. And so that's where the danger is in terms of the the short-term drop-off. I don't think it harms the Grizzlies as much as some people might be first inclined, but I do think it's kind of tough to say that, that hey when when you look at their remaining schedule that this trade actually ended up increasing their playoff odds
1: right and we are with dan Favelli of nba math and so i kind of wanted to ask you just a nba wide question like what do you think was the best move of the deadline Oof, uh that's a good question i think When you
2: look at just the the deal being a no-brainer, that four-team trade uh, between the Rockets, Hawks, Nuggets, and Timberwolves, that was one of those rare uh, three to four-team trades where it seems like everyone really won. The the biggest hang-ups were, um, did the Timberwolves sell a little too low on Robert Covington? But then you look at what um, Marcus Morris returned for the New York Knicks what the Grizzlies ended up getting for Andre Godala, and it makes you feel better about that return. And I think the D'Angelo Russell trade factors in to that as well, getting a Juan Hernan Gomez and a Malik Beasley, two guys who are going to be free agents that you maybe have to pay. It makes a lot more sense when you know that you have Russell and and Towns there and that you just need to flesh out the roster around them. And then the Rockets just leaning into their small ball model. There there are still some questions there. They treated Robert Covington like the best player in that deal. Um, That's certainly up for debate with, Clint Capella involved, but I do also think it's fair to say Rocco is more valuable to you in a playoff series than Clint Capella will be at this point. And so th- there are some questions about what they end up doing at the five moving forward, um, especially after also getting rid of, of Jordan Bell later on. But when you look at what every team gave up, uh, they all seem to accomplish something very clear without overpaying um, or underselling any of the assets that they gave up. And And I think that's rare in these these wide team deals. Normally there are just these clear, at least losers. And, and that deal just really didn't have that distinct loser.
0: I think that's fair. And I really do look at this organization organizationally, right? Because obviously the Grizzlies are at a place where they're much more healthy organization-wise, leadership-wise than they've been in the past. It's always an interesting window into what a team sees themselves as Buyers or sellers, contenders, or, you know, rebuilding. It's always fun to me to kind of see how it plays itself out. Uh, Overall, how a team sees itself can be so different from outside perception. And and that bubble is really fascinating to me when it comes to not just basketball, but professional sports in general. Whenever a trade deadline comes around, how you perceive yourself, it's a window into the soul of an organization in a way. And I, I find that really, really interesting. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you know this or not, but over at Grizzly Bear Blues Live on Twitter at GBB Live, I always tweet out a question of the day whenever we record a show. And you retweeted the question of the day with us. I appreciate that. Thanks to the over 220 folks that voted in this week's poll. The question was, what must Justice Winslow or Justice, excuse me, Winslow be as a member of the Grizzlies in order for you who voted in the poll to deem the blockbuster trade with Miami a success. And Parker, I'll bring you in on this after Dan answers. Uh, Do you think as long as he's a good bench or reserve player, it's successful, a multi-year starter, the third or fourth best player on the Memphis Grizzlies, or it's success immediately as of today? Uh, What option would you have voted for if you voted in the poll, or maybe you did? Uh, Which do you think would make this pretty big deal uh, a successful one for Memphis?
2: Um, So I ended up going. I actually did vote, and I ended up going with good bench reserve player. Uh, I do think multi-year starter is probably a fair answer as well. But when you look at what Justice Winslow can do best on offense, there there might be a chance that you want to stagger him from some of your your other ball handlers. And if he ends up having to come off the bench, if that's the role that they think makes sense for him moving forward, I, I don't think that that's a bad thing either. Uh, I think it's probably unrealistic to expect him to be Memphis' third or fourth best player. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., you have John Morant, you have Brandon Clark, you have Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, Maybe we fast forward a year from now, there's a chance, but I don't think you make this deal with that expectation. Uh, The only thing to me, I guess you could vote for this already being a success, and I respect what the Grizzlies did by when you look at this trade plus the Dylan Brooks, extension, they basically just punted on their cap space for this summer. And that will get some people up in arms. But, you know, those those Igadala type trades where you get a salary attached to picks, those probably won't be available this year because no one's looking to get in on this 2020 free agent market. Memphis historically hasn't signed a ton of big name free agents anyway. So I really respect an organization that's in the middle of a playoff push to go out and make such a big, arguably drastic move to get a guy that they think can be a big part of their future, even if it comes at the expense, however small or significant of their present. And so it, there is an argument that it's already a success, but just given how much money they did end up taking on and the fact that whatever happens with Dion Waiters, there might be a chance that they have to stretch some of his second year salary. And then that becomes this cap hit on the books for a while. There is a little bit a downside there. So you definitely want to see Justice Winslow become this regular rotation player who who's valuable for them and is someone they're turning to as I would say um, one of the guys who's going to be in in many of their closing lineups if not most of them
0: let me let me ask you this and I'm so glad that you said it I think the the reason I'm going to ask is I think I know what you're going to say and I'm going to be very proud of you for saying it because I'll count you as a national writer a national media member of the NBA I think that you certainly qualify as that in your opinion, without the benefit of hindsight, who is the biggest free agent signing in the history of the Memphis Grizzlies?
2: Ah, uh, man, that's a tough one. I don't, I don't even know who to gravitate towards at this point. Is it, is it the Chandler Parsons signing? You at this nailed point? it. It's-
0: you nailed it, Dan. So- the Chandler Parsons signing. So your point is driven home by that, in my opinion. Um, when when you have to overpay Chandler Parsons to and and in fairness to the Grizzlies, I don't think that was one of the most egregious things that front office ever did because he was a top ten to fifteen guy in that free agent class everywhere. So I'm not I'm not so sure. Again, with the benefit of hindsight, it looks awful and it's one of the worst contracts maybe in NBA history. But the point and the fact remains that that's what Memphis needs to do to bring people into the fold. They need to overpay them. Who do you do that with in this free agent class, Evan Fournier? I wouldn't do that, would you?
2: They essentially did what they did couldn't have done over the summer, I think here is they took on the money to get Justice Winslow, and you know the, he were one of the few teams that probably were looking to shed bad money ahead of of this summer and and obviously beyond so the the fact that they were able to take advantage of that now, I think is pretty good foresight on their behalf.
0: I think it's a forward-thinking move, and that's one of my favorite things about this front office. Even in a world where the Grizzlies are a potential playoff team, they are still looking at the long-term vision and view of what this thing is going to be. Uh, We'll get you out of here on this, and I'm curious as to your take on it. Uh, We talked about at the end of the last segment whether or not we still believe or whether we think the Grizzlies are real playoff contenders after the trade deadline. Again, Gorgi Yang is the most immediate member of the rotation that comes in replacing Solomon Hills minutes I think is easy to guess that's what's going to happen uh, with yang and then eventually if justice or Justice excuse me Winslow does come in and play, maybe he takes Josh Jackson a little bit of Kyle Anderson a little bit here and there from other guys in Jenkins 11 man rotation. Uh, do you think that the Grizzlies again, we already talked about whether or not they're better short- term long term, Obviously, they're undefeated with Kyle Anderson as a starter, or at least with Jay Crowder out of the lineup. Do you see the Grizzlies being that eight seed in the Western Conference, or do you think over the next 30 games or so, a team like the Trailblazers, a team like the Spurs, who didn't really make any major moves, uh, a team like the Pelicans, who is the darling of everyone right now and obviously has the easiest schedule remaining of all of these teams that we're listing, and that's partially why they are that darling. Uh, do you think Memphis is going to be able to hold on to that playoff spot, or do you think one of the other teams currently on the outside looking in is going to overtake them?
2: I've gone back and forth. I mean, uh, Memphis has, I believe last time I checked, the hardest remaining schedule in the league. Yes, and yes
0: through,
2: it is. To go through that after a shakeup, I, I do think that that's going to be difficult. Uh I don't think the Pelicans are the most imminent threat. Yes, they have the easiest schedule. But when, when you're so far behind in the loss column, six games, and it's not just the Grizzlies in front of you. It's it's the Spurs and the Blazers. And Portland is just kind of the team that I'm watching because they're going to get Yusuf Nurkic back at some point. They should get Zach Collins back at some point. I think Trevor Ariza has been better for them than most people expected. Uh, Damian Millard has been volcanic of late. Uh, They're kind of my pick to make the playoffs at this point. I I think the Grizzlies end up holding on for longer than most people expect. And, you know, they've built a a fairly sizable lead to be three games ahead um, right now. So I do think there's a strong chance they'll finish ninth. I don't expect them to drop lower than tenth. But I I think I give the edge to the Blazers right now. I'm just sort of rolling with the infusion of talent they're going to get and the overall continuity of their roster.
0: Make sure you're following him on Twitter at D-A-N-F-A-V-A-L-E. He's the deputy editor over at NBA Math at NBA underscore math. He's an NBA writer for Bleacher Report, a co-host for the Hardwood Knox podcast. He does an amazing job covering the NBA. Make sure you're giving him a follow and check out his work wherever he puts it out. Dan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, no problem. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Parker, let's get out of here on this. Let's get you out of here on this. Do you see... This Grizzlies team going into the all-star break because we probably won't have another podcast of GBB live before the break. Uh, do you see this team winning? How, what do you think they're going to do? Cause they're going to play Philly obviously Friday night. Gorgie Yang probably won't be involved in that game. You have the wizards on Sunday. I'll be covering that game for the blog cause it's at, at the wizards in DC. So I'll be there. And then they play the trailblazers. I believe in the final game before the break on February 12th. How do you see it kind of shaking out over the next three games? You know, maybe you see Winslow coming out of the All Star break. Maybe I, that might be possible. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll get more details as as the things kind of finalize in these next few days. Do you think that it's realistic for Memphis to have a winning record over these next three, or do you think one and two, zero oh and three? How are the Grizzlies going to end this pre All Star break period of their schedule?
1: Um, I'm going to go two and one. I do think Philly at home, Philly on the road, despite the struggles that Philly's had since Joel Embiid's return from injury, they're still a tough opponent. I mean, they're starting five. Well, they don't have Josh Richardson, but they have Ben Simmons, Ben T.C. Thiebel, Tobias, Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid. That's going to be difficult. Um, I I don't expect much out of that game. The Wizards, it's Bradley Beal and a bunch of G-leaguers they should win that game um, whoa whoa,
0: wanna... whoa 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 i'm gonna be there come on now that's gonna be an interesting game
1: i'm gonna be there okay i'll give you that joe you're gonna be there so it'll be interesting um and then i'll have them winning against portland that dude think jaw's gonna come out with this kind of like swagger because he's playing dame lillard who's also not very good at defense but also too, Jonas valanciunas has shown out in big home game nights uh, over the past few weeks against people, centers that people say are better with. um, um trying to, They had Nikola Jokic, and then this week he had Andre Drummond. He put up two double-double games, and I think he could look to do the same thing against Hassan Whiteside.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch a play out. I have them going one and two. I hope two and one happens. That would be the the bright side there for sure. I think we probably disagree on the on the Trailblazers game. I think Memphis could drop that one the way Damian Lillard is playing. But, you know, Ja Morant, to the credit of Ja, he kind of rises up in those moments. I think that'll be a fascinating matchup. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm really excited to cover the team. I haven't done it in a couple of years, so it's been great to, to be there in D.C., and and watch this group live. The future is bright, and I think that that remains true coming out of the trade deadline, maybe even truer than it was going into the past, uh, the events, excuse me, of the past couple of days. Parker, thank you so much for being with me as always. Thank you so much to Dan, who is a great guest. And thanks to you for listening to the show wherever you're at. Thanks for being a part of Grizzly Bear Blues Live and checking out grizzlybearblues.com all through the trade deadline process. It was a very good run for us of success. Over at the blog, and and it's uh it's because of folks like you that are checking out the podcast network, that are subscribing, that are making us a part of your daily Grizzlies experience. So thanks to you, wherever you are, for making GBB a part of your Memphis Grizzlies day. For Parker, for Dan, I am Joe Mullenax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues. Live.